0: You're listening to KNAP, the NAP, the Bay Area's only anarcho cablos radio frequency that stands for the non aggression principle for all of you noobs out there. We are the bastion of free thinking, free markets, and free jazz based out of beautiful Berkeley, California, serving all of San Francisco, Oakland, Sausalito County san jose davis Daly city san mateo santa cruz and the rest of the world through the live stream accessible 24 7 at canap.biz. i'm john lockjaw and this is trolley problems three hours packed full of punk music and tech news next up uh, we've got a track by one of my all-time favorite punk startups dating all the way back to 1991 here in berkeley They were formed by ex-members of the legendary Operation Ivy alongside visual artist and Pioneer Works founder Dustin Yellen. Those of you in the know already know. For those of you just joining the yellow and black revolution, allow me to introduce you to the original disruptors, our hometown heroes, Rancid.
1: How you doing? Yeah, I decided not to park here. Well, what do you mean? You decided not to park here? Yeah, I just came in. I decided not to park here, so. But, well, I- I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, I, I decided not to, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I decided not to take the trip, as it turns out, so. Well, I'm sorry, sir. We still got to charge you the $4. I just pulled in here. I just fucking pulled in here.
2: Well, but, there's there's a minimum charge of four dollars long-term parking
1: charges by the day i guess you think you're uh you know like an authority figure that stupid fucking uniform huh buddy Can clip-on tie there big fucking man huh you know these are the limits of your life man the rule of your little fucking gate here here
0: there's your four dollars you pathetic piece of shit
3: there's a blue. Stain us. As the winds of change blow, we need a strong voice fighting for our way of life. Rand Paul lives our values. A career doctor and grassroots activist, he'll take on those in Washington who spend too much destroying our liberty. As surely as the sun will rise, Rand Paul will fight every day for Kentucky.
1: I'm
0: Rand Paul, and I've heard this message. It's coming from my files, Marty.
1: Rand Paul? Huh. What about Rand said? Paul? LMAO. Oh. Oh, yes I did. A libertarian cool fucker who dresses like a disciple of Vivian goddamn Westwood. Isn't that wild? I'm just kidding. It's not wild, actually. Because all punk music is libertarian. Here's another one. Fargozy. It's a band that's basically the same as Fugazi, but they only play all-ages shows in North Dakota. Don't worry. I know what you're asking yourself right now, and I have the answer. Yes, of course, they still cover Red Red Wine Live. Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast, you property-owning, tax-opposing, rifle-humping screedlers. This is Staffan Lee, your trusty studio manager. You've tuned into episode 30, which is fucking insane. Am I right? We've got a great show lined up for you this week. But come to think of it. When do we not have a great show lined up for you? If you like what we're doing here at Humor and the Abject, head over to our drip profile and become a subscriber today. If you haven't yet, you're effectively a coward. I don't make the rules. This week's episode is brought to you by anarcho-capitalism, parking lot fees, bluegrass values, and the band that Dustin Yellen used to be in before he decided to become an artist. Oh! Before we start, I'd like to take a quick minute to apologize about doing a performance review of our intern, well, former intern, Bartholomew Q. Middlecurd, on the air last week. Was it unprofessional on my part? No. But he was annoying as fuck and I apologize for subjecting you to his obnoxious whining about having the privilege of drawing us multiple versions of Rust Cole from season 1 of the HBO prestige television drama, True Detective. What a tiny tauncy that boy was. Anyways, it's time to put on our big boy diapers and dive into the ball pit. You can be the Virgil to my Dante. Take me to the Ninth Circle, my love chode. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney.
0: I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 30 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney, and I for one can't believe that it's already December. How about, how about all of you out there? Uh, this, this year's really flown by. Do you have any big plans for the, the winter holidays? You going anywhere? Yeah? No? Some of you? Okay. I'm going to go out to Colorado in a few weeks. I've got a couple sisters who live in Denver. The folks will be out there we're going to head to a small town called Salida, Salida, Colorado, that I understand uh, from what my mom told me has a lot of galleries and things like that. She did send me a brochure the last time that she and my dad were there of all the different galleries and things like that, and uh, some of it looks pretty interesting. Looks like there's also a lot of sort of metal yard art. Uh, There is one gallery that is, I believe, exclusively devoted to steampunk. Um, I will make sure to go to that and take some photos and post that on the uh, humor and the abject Twitter. So please follow along. Uh, also, I love to live tweet the holidays. So if you're not following me on my personal Twitter account at SOC Malpractice, that's at Social please do so. You can find out uh, you know all of the ins and outs of an Irish Catholic family Christmas. Uh, In other news, my guest this week is the comedian and actor Ruby McAllister. Uh, Many of you in New York are going to recognize Ruby from her multiple appearances. She's in shows all over the city, and she's got this signature style of humor uh, that she's come to call quote, glam comedy, end quote. And we're going to get to the bottom of what exactly that is today, I hope. Ruby plays Mona Deliza in the cult hit web series Gigi that's Z H E Z H E a DIY sitcom set in an alternate reality New York City that she writes and produces with a couple collaborators Leah Hennessy and Emily Allen and this year she appeared in this critically acclaimed dark comedy film called Neighborhood Food Drive that uh, I actually missed when it was at the Brooklyn Comedy Festival's film portion, which really bummed me out. I couldn't go that night. And I really want to see this movie. It looks totally fucked. In September, Ruby and I were in a piece together at the Flux Factory for the exhibition Humorgus Smorgasbord. We were in a piece with Lorelai Ramirez and Amy Zimmer, friends of the pod. I had a blast performing with Ruby. That was my first time that I got to do that. Uh, Nobody approaches comedy quite like her, and I have been meaning for months to have her on the show to talk shop about this wildly distinct sense of humor and performance persona that she's cultivated. There's literally no one out there right now doing what she does, and she's a favorite of so many of the people that I admire here in Brooklyn. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Here is my conversation with self-proclaimed aspiring actress Ruby McAllister. And now we're here in the studio, and Ruby McAllister, welcome to Humor in the Abject. How's it going?
2: It's going well, thanks.
0: Yeah? How, yeah. How is your week going so far? I know it's mon- we're recording on a Monday, so brand yeah. new week.
2: My week, my week has already been pretty good. I just I had to do an errand for my mother.
0: This morning? Yeah. We're recording bright and early. Yeah, this yeah. 10:30 yeah. a.m. is the earliest yeah,
2: I've done So, uh, just imagine what I've been through. And um, I like took a cab from where I needed. Like I, I took a cab. Okay, kill me. <laughs> Literally, uh, kill me, everybody. I took a cab. <laughs> And I had literally the most, truly the most amu- like I just have the best conversation yeah. with Akeem.
0: With your cab driver? Yeah. Was it a cab or is this a, a, a ride app? An ride Uber. Up. Yeah. So I you're know. you're back on the problematic. <laughs> yeah, I am. Back on your bullshit. Yeah,
2: I am. I am. It's a, uh, yeah I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Seriously, I'm holding a cup. There is that no does- there
0: is no ethical consumption under late capitalism.
2: You know what? Thank you. Thank you for saying that because I was about to say it myself. Um, yeah, and I'm also holding a cup of coffee that says "World's Dumbest Idiot," <laughs> so I think it's a it's appropriate to admit that I took an Uber here. What on.
0: was? Oh, you took an Uber here, not to the errand. What, do you mind my asking what the errand was?
2: Um, involving my mother's dog, that I is basically just my dog, and for the sake of her emotions, I say is still her dog. Oh okay. Because I largely and predominantly take care of this animal.
0: Is your mom here in New York?
2: She is, but she travels. She travels, I guess, a lot. You guess. <laughs> apparently, apparently, she just needs to travel. This lady's got to go.
0: That's exciting. What kind of dog are we talking here?
2: We're talking um, super cute. We're talking super cute.
0: That's the breed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're from California, so mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Um, it's so a, it's a pug. N- you know what? Approximating a pug, she's um, she's a French bulldog. We're going to say, we're going to assume terrier because of her nose. Okay. So she doesn't have respiratory problems, very small, sort of like has that sort of like the classic gag of small legs, big body. Oh, <laughs> classic. Not, not a physical. <gasps> oh, 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 no, no, no. No respiratory problems, <clears throat> as I said. And no, she she's just really funny because she has that classic. Small body, I mean, big body, small legs, mm-hmm. classic. I mean, just fucking classic. And um, I can swear right?
0: You can say whatever the fuck you want.
2: Right, right, right. Cool. Right. It's like <laughs> the radio channel I picking I, this up. I haven't I haven't, <laughs> I
0: haven't. I haven't even figured out what bullshit fake sponsors I'll be using right, for this episode. Okay. So right, right, um, right. maybe it'll be maybe it'll be sponsored by a curse word.
2: Ooh, I like that idea. Um. So yeah, so I was like transporting this dog cuz I'm always fucking transporting this dog. And then I was just like I'm just going to take a cab cuz I had to meet her downtown, blah blah blah.
0: You could have brought the dog here. I should have told you that.
2: That's <laughs> Did you see all the dogs? <laughs> I know. I don't I like I really am still very much like oh like like I have no concept of how technology <laughs> has changed the world and how startups. Like I just don't. I was like I'm just like I've got to wear a dress and I've got to, you know, like like I have like a – it's very bad, very bad. Hence my Uber taking. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm just like a little – I'm five minutes – I'm truly five minutes behind. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, so I was in the Uber. Kill me. Sue me. And – Whoever
0: it is also – I mean, if you would have taken Lyft, it's also a person who drives for Uber.
2: True. So I could have just – You know, but I I feel like people are saying Uber just as a euphemism of rideshare. It has
0: become a verb, right? Like friend,
2: right? So Google. But you
0: rollerblade.
2: That's such a good one, (laughs) rollerblade, or um, or what's another one? Soda Stream.
0: Soda to Soda Stream. (laughs) In, Dude, my, so in my therapist's office, there there aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of I, art. But I
2: was really going to roast you, toast you for that for no reason. I was going to be, like, good for you. Good for you, Sean.
0: In the office, <laughs> yeah. in the office, there's there's very little artwork, but there's one framed photo. And I don't think it's my particular, I don't think that she didn't decorate the office. She's right. just one of the people that works there. But mm-hmm. there is a framed square photograph of, um, I don't know when this was taken, but it's from about the, the way, down with really baggy jeans of a rollerblader doing like a really <laughs> sick like grab of his two rollerblades just cropped right in and it's in black and white uh black really, and white really blown out contrast and it's just this framed image in there and every morning that i go i sit there and i stare at it on he the wall. holds
2: the blade in one of his hands
0: yeah it's kind of like you know how like any trick on a roller on rollerblade just like, looks pretty stupid? Okay. Yeah. Um Right, right, right. It's basically just jumping up, right. sort of kicking off to the side and holding the wheels, maybe. But it stares me in the face while I wait for Holy while shit. I wait for my appointment.
2: How does that how does that make you feel? Like I guess in it, it a true of, way. In a true way.
0: Honestly, it makes me smile. It kind of brightens my day because it it's so ridiculous.
2: It doesn't like it doesn't like conjure some weird like emotional humiliation or what is it like
0: I guess it sort of does because it makes me remember that when I was younger I didn't really think about the connotations of certain things that I was saying and I used to call rollerbladers fruit booters and clearly (laughs) clearly, there's a lot there clearly (laughs) that's like that's rooted in homophobia but I was like yeah. fourteen, and I didn't really think. But about But
2: also, that. maybe you thought that they looked like big bananas or something.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe it's like the wheels are little fruit loops. <gasps> oh, that's sort of cute. That's
2: really sweet. And
0: if they ride through a patch Ew. of milk, they'll break. <laughs> <pretty good. laughs>
2: they'll disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sweet. Um,
0: I feel like we're getting off topic. Okay. Fair um, enough. I want to ask you. Yeah. What is glam comedy, and did you oh. invent it? Oh, my
2: God. I'm obsessed. I feel like I was born Did you hear born... that dramatic
0: sh- sip of coffee? Oh, yes, coffee. I did.
2: I'm fully present and aware. Um, I didn't invent glam comedy.
0: <laughs> what is it?
2: Okay. Glam comedy, mm-hmm. I believe, is— is
0: it short for Glamorous Comedy?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Duh. No, no, no. Are we talking – I, I feel like our – I don't know who listens to this, but I feel like we're not talking no to one. people that – I feel like we're not talking to people that still like thinks of rollerbladers as fruit booters. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know no. I mean? It's a
0: pretty – I think –
2: Like I, I feel like they know that glam means glamorous. But I yes. think so. Yes. Right, right. right. Yeah.
0: Either, so, it's a pretty woke audience. Uh, and the wokest of them all share. are the people who are subscribing to the Humor and the Abject podcast <laughs> on Drip for just $5 a month. Thank you. Uh, what is glam comedy?
2: Okay, so we first have to dissect what glamorous is, mm-hmm. the idea of glamour. Yes. Because glamour, which I believe I've recently said that the people that inhabit glamour or worship glamour are, in fact, cultural refugees. Hmm. I have, I recently said this on, I I talk on the phone every day for two hours. Mm -hmm. And on one of my phone rants, I said that. And I was like, that feels really good. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, say that again. Um, But yeah, glamour is to participate is the space in between fantasy and actualization. Okay. So it's. Whatever you believe, whatever you envision and uh, attempting to, to like magnetizing yourself towards or inhabiting spaces that approximate that fantasy and the, the weird disjointed and almost beautiful harmony. Okay. Of that actual, like it's not perfect.
0: I can see the direct relation to glam rock.
2: There you go. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Um, so anybody that does that is glamorous. It doesn't mean that you like – glamorousness doesn't mean like
0: – Not like Glamour Magazine.
2: But Glamour Magazine also is selling you a fantasy and approximating a fantasy. Like you need like – right? Like you need like the hot – you need like Kim K's lip gloss, but you can't spend $3 million on it. Mm-hmm. So let's do the $3 version in the same color and it's perfect. Oh, my God, Glamour. Hmm. So yeah, and and in that way, glamour is a real like it's a vaudevillian principle. Okay, and it's a backstage, What I like to say it's a backstage principle. It's the moment before you assume the fantasy. So it's like it, it, glamour inhabits the backstage, and I'm also obsessed with the backstage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've written a lot about backstage areas. Really? Yes, I've written about green rooms. Um, because it's the moment before you enter the said world, you have to submit yourself to.
0: I just did my first backstage the other week. What do you mean? It was totally surreal. It was at uh, Brian Balot's oh, show during God. Performa, uh, People Pie Pool. People pie. pie I people love pie him pool He's
2: so much. Sh- he's the guest next week.
0: Don't tell anybody. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, I was to... – he. well, there's, like, 70 people in this production. I was just, right. like, one of the people in it. But I w- it was very weird. I was underground mm. in, like, a back room.
2: May I ask you what theater?
0: Uh, the theater at Abrams Art okay. Center. Okay, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so we were downstairs in the back, and it was very strange because there's this, like, pulsing energy out there and all these things and this weird surreal thing. I mean, I'm so used to – performance art or comedy and things like that were just kind of like Generally, you're just sitting in the audience, audience
2: yeah. you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your
0: part or something. Definitely. But that's really I I couldn't name the feeling.
2: Yeah, that is what the feeling is.
0: Interesting. And
2: that's also like I that's also like the the joke of the writer. Like it's like R
0: I R I D E O. Yes, yes, yes.
2: Of like you go backstage and somebody complains about the Ev- the Avion or the, mm-hmm. the or the classic Spinal Tap scene of the lunch meats yes. and the bread. Yes. Um, because what <laughs> happened small. in that mm. the two Small breads in spinal tap because um, in that moment they're they're trying to operate glamorousness,, uh-huh. and the real and the fantasy is being broken in that moment with the small breads uh-huh. and the yeah, 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 meat. yeah, yeah, so they can't inhabit this middle space between performance and their stupid lives, <laughs> and their stupid <laughs> lives are entering the 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 glamorous space, which is the backstage,
0: whoa, yeah. Would you say it's a liminal space?
2: It is a liminal space, and in that way, I mean to not like go back to you know, my unconscious consuming <laughs> but in my ride share. <laughs> hmm
0: Rider, your rider share.
2: <laughs> my rider share. Wait, did
0: you actually share the ride? Were you yes, pooling? I did.
2: But then eventually it was just me and him. So he was talking about how he thinks movies. Our down, our dreams that are translated in the liminal. You you download. He said, you know, like in the movie Flash, that words go by your face really fast, and the superheroes can understand the words worrying by their faces really fast. Like that mm. is the sign of ultimate super intelligence. Mm. He believes that the dream state is that that we just go to that zone and download messages and then have to make them into movies. Ooh. Yeah.
0: That's a that's an interesting treatise on inspiration, <laughs> isn't it? That you had And in a genius. Car. Wow. Right.
2: Yeah. It's like it's like the treatise on geniusness hmm. and he was like
0: Yeah, fuck Malcolm Gladwell. Right? Did he say anything about genius? No, that's no. expert. That's 10,000 hours, sorry.
2: Well, genius like we could even just like go back to like whatever, like
0: Oh, Socrates. Socrates, whatever Plato.
2: Yeah, thank you. I was about to be Barabbas. like, Aeschylus. Aeschylus, I love him. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and I was like, that is every, like, that liminal space, the contemplation of, like, what that is, is, like, everything I want to talk about. So, like, mm-hmm. I was just, like, in this car, literally, I was like, oh, my God. What is your dr-? Like, I was like, what is your dream space? What is that dream state? And the fact that he's, that he, Like he believes that we go into the center of information and then it comes through. So then – oh, right. Because he he believed an original idea. Hmm. He believes that there is an idea that has not been released into the world yet. And I said, I don't believe in original thought. I don't believe in any originality. And he was like, but I do because – and then his first line was – Because movies are dreams of our past lives, and I was like... You
0: gave this guy five stars, right?
2: I'm giving him, like, I'm giving him my firstborn, (laughs) Yeah, Seriously. I mean, like, this guy fucking killed. And um, that's how we we entered the, the conversation was, like, he was like, because movies are dreams of your past lives. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up. Tell me more. Like, I'm... Please. Um, So, yeah, and in that way, it is related because the liminal state is the glamorous state, is sort of – is the unconscious the subconscious in a way, I think. Or you can sort of attest that. I don't – I can say subconscious maybe a a million times in a day, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to not hit that pedal too hard because who wants to hear me say subconscious? a million times hmm. but there is like a yeah a liminal liminality to glamour okay. for sure
0: well let's let's okay we're in theory let's go to practice
2: okay okay for sure.
0: so uh let's talk about something practical mm-hmm. too which mm-hmm. is this fall i feel like you've been out of town doing some things mm-hmm. and if i'm not mistaken that was with some of them were with Sarah Sherman and yeah. Jamie Loftus. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw dates at Good Good in Philly, The Crown in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, what's that place called in L.A.? Lyric Hyperion yeah. or something? Yeah, 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 And Joshua Tree?
2: Yeah, I went to Joshua Tree.
0: Uh, what was going on? Were you on a tour? or um, well, I mean, they were kind of scattered, but what, what's what's this trio about going around performing?
2: Right. Well, I met Sarah Sherman like a year and a half ago, she invited me to play her show in Chicago. Is Hel- that
0: Hell Trap Nightmare? Yeah. Yes.
2: And I, for the past few years, I've had a lot of like uh, reasons to go back to Chicago for jobs and whatever. I've sort of met a lot of amazing people in Chicago. So I would go to Hell Trap and I'd sort of like immediately felt. Just comfortable with her. And I feel like she – we're teaching each other the opposite of our glamorous worlds. Like I'm teaching her about this glamour world of like my theater L.A. experience and she's teaching me uh this like grotesque mm-hmm. neon – Hell glamour <laughs> world.
0: Yeah, yeah. And which which comes through in her drawings too. Yeah. Which are if anybody doesn't know, um many are authored under Sarah Squirm, is yes. that right?
2: Yes, 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 yes.
0: Unreal fucking drawings. Amazing, like totally they're, insane. Yeah. She did the best. She did the art for the Turner Masters yes. Memory Hospital podcast and just those And
2: a lot f- of Forever Dog yeah. actually podcasts. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Many yeah. And them. you
0: cannot miss it, it's pretty obvious when it's hers. Like the-
2: <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's I mean so, yeah, so we just, like, like, immediate... I like
0: glamour of the grotesque, though. Yeah. That, that's exciting. I haven't... Yeah.
2: I think... I, that's how I would label okay. hers. And, like, I think...
0: And what about Jamie?
2: Jamie is very... She's L.A. She's L.A. And Jamie and hamburger Sarah... Hamburger phone. Yes. <laughs> On Twitter. Great Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> love hamburger phone. <laughs> and I love Jamie, too. Um, Sarah and her have sort of very similar practice of illustration with mm-hmm. their comedy. So they sort of were teaming up. And Sarah was just, like you know wood glue of the of these two worlds of mm-hmm. me and jamie um and sarah is you know just like decided she's like, like, she's like we S- have to do this
0: Stuart copeland driving the beat behind sting and uh <laughs> oh
2: my god <laughs> andy
0: summer i don't know the guitar <laughs> have you ever is heard andy his... summers is that the guitar player the police's name
2: i wouldn't know but i, I love Stuart. His solo album is... Copeland? Yeah, is crazy. Do you
0: remember when he formed a super group with Trey Anastasio from Fish and Les Claypool from Primus called Oysterhead, <laughs> and it was maybe the worst record that had ever been made?
2: But you listened to it. <laughs> I heard it. I, <laughs> I wouldn't it. say I listened to I it. I missed that
0: I heard one. part of it.
2: That didn't come through the backstage Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting way up
0: The shows. Okay, yeah, so yeah. what are these... You. Some of them were Hell Trap Nightmare. Yeah. Some of them were the
2: three of us just touring. other stuff.
0: But you you would just sort of inhabit the the show that was local. but yeah. it was you were bouncing around.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And or no, it, they would all be hosted Sorry. by Sarah. And like <clears throat> the idea of the Hell Trap Nightmare and anything that's interesting
0: because the copy that I saw for Baltimore yeah. said that it was hosted by Ben O'Brien from Wham City.
2: Oh yeah. Oh my God. Um, White he... man
0: just shoves himself in there. <laughs>
2: Well, no. I mean, that – he did technically host it. <laughs> but, but the Sarah, show – the show
0: within the show. Yes. Yes.
2: But Sarah is a person, and I hope to develop this talent in any way in my lifetime. But she's like – even if she's not – even if she's just on a lineup, she uh-huh. ends up hosting the show. Like <laughs> she's just like a born host. Yeah, And she rallies the crowd. She gets everyone to sit the fuck down and like it's – so she she sets the scene for anything that you're doing um yeah and the uh, her idea that i've always that we sort of like immediately connected on is this idea of a freak show or like a traveling freak show carnies carnies me you yeah. mm-hmm. um whereas like i feel like i have travel i have been Like in a freak show, my whole life, and I think Sarah felt like she was um, like the freak that fell off the wagon in Mm -hmm. Long Island, (laughs) and she was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" But I, um, and then we like, then we met, and now we're back on. Now we're back on the circuit. Like that's that's how that's how our friendship feels.
0: I'm liking this link because now I'm thinking of Mm the traveling circus of the Dust Bowl as glam.
2: yeah, I mean it is. I mean mm-hmm. anything fantasy, anything anything fantasy is glam. Anything that where you are demanding your fantasy to be actually present in a space is glamorous. That is what glamour is, and period, period. And that's why movies are glamorous because we inherently know that they're fake. Mm-hmm. We inherently know that they're not. They're not perfect, and. And, like, the idea of, like, the movie lot, the back lot, the also the back lot is the ultimate green room mm-hmm. to me, is the ultimate backstage. So it's, like, the, the buildings that look like London or a cityscape, and they're just two inches deep, and they're just facades. Mm-hmm. The idea of facade is so alluring and so glamorous because um, they – I mean, you can go into, like – I don't know. They don't require responsibility. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't <laughs> – I don't know why. I don't know why human beings are so turned on by facade, mm. but I mean, I can maybe think about it for a second and figure it out. But
0: so, what? What I'm very curious about the Joshua Tree show actually, okay. because oh, I have a lot to say such about. a trippy area. Yeah, um, and I've gotten to spend some time there. Did you, by chance, go to the IntegraTron?
2: No, is that like a Wilhelm Reich associate?
0: It's Uh, Sounds like. (laughs) It's a parabolic chamber that was, my God, I should know the name of the person who built this. I can't remember, but it has no hardware. It's entirely made of wood. It's
2: not Buckminster Fuller.
0: Nope. Um, It was, I want to say somebody who worked for like the government or NASA or something like that who firmly believed that he was having contact with uh, alien life forms, built this thing in the desert where apparently all these magnetic fields converge, Um, but All things aside, just a really trippy dome in the desert that you can go in. And it's like just that parabolic chamber sound where you can stand in one side and face the wall and speak to the wall. And the person standing on the other side of the space, it feels as if you're whispering into their ears. And when you stand in the middle, it's like just this crate. And they do sound baths and all this stuff in there. Oh but yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I think very- I've
2: seen pictures of this. Place. Yeah, it just it looks like a it's, a. it's like everyone. It's like a wooden. It's dome, like a white
0: wooden dome and it's, that looks it's like
2: lifted a, off the ground a little bit. It
0: looks like a chode version of a silo. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like going on Yelp is, right oh now. Oh my god!
0: Uh, but what was what was the Joshua Tree show? Because there are some weird <laughs> fucking bars out there. Where did you perform?
2: Um, Chode version of a silo it really, <laughs> I think, like perfectly describes my moment in Joshua Tree <laughs> okay. two weeks ago. All right. Um, because we get booked at this place called Hell. Mm. I, Like I really hope no. That's your does. first. That's <laughs> your
0: first sign.
2: Yeah, and I'm like so fucking horny for that. You know what I mean? It's like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. No big deal. Going to Joshua tree play in hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like no problem. So I was thinking that was gonna be like a weird desert bar, but it wasn't. It was not. It was like somebody's art space, like workshop. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot and like
0: rusted metal, lawn sculptures.
2: It was like very like, oh God. Sorry. I'm gonna you be so no no. You I'm don't have be, to say anything. No no no. I mean. I'm going to be as shady but as polite as possible in that it's, like, very, like, post-Chris Burden, mm. like, so, craft. So it's he's, like he's there was shooting
0: the, audience members.
2: Or it's, like, <laughs> there's, like, a used target. Oh. And then there's, like, a motorcycle on a platform. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then there's also, like, hand-dyed linens.
0: Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. We get yeah. it. Mm-hmm
2: done you know what i mean like
0: remember when they glued a chris burden boat to the side of the new museum and expected I, us I all not to ask fucking questions
2: i didn't know that that was chris burden
0: i think it was i don't care
2: <laughs> los angeles los angelino yeah chris burden
0: yeah number Hello. one number what number one <laughs> artist of all time <laughs> anywhere any place.
2: But that's what it felt like. It was like, it was an interesting time because I know my, exactly what
0: kind of art you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because also, I was in LA and this is like the day after. I, so I'm from LA, so I was dealing with like family drama, specifically with my father, who is, for those of you who can't see my face, a white man. <laughs> so, just like my dad is white. I'm, I wasn't adopted and whatever. And um, so you
0: were not adopted? I was <laughs>
2: not adopted. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so my dad's white, and he's a white man, and I was dealing with a lot of issues with him. Like, not issues, but, like, we're going through an emotional journey together. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: Trying to get dad woke?
2: No, it was like my dad's going through a very interesting sort of gender moment. Okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which... I'm sure he would love for me to talk about on a podcast, but whatever. So we were sort of like going through that and dealing with his sort of relationships. And I'm an only child, so and my dad you like don't re- say yeah, <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> only child. <laughs> right? You couldn't literally, you literally couldn't smell it off me. And um, so I was like just dealing with a lot of like white the the white guy. Continuum vortex. So then I drive out to Joshua Tree and end up in hell in like Chris Burden dyed linen chamber. Mm-hmm. So I'm like sort of having a panic attack at this point because it's like I just I just exited my dad's like this really heavy questioning. Trying to literally, I was doing my dad's tarot cards in a motel room. Okay,
0: and then you enter an art space that asks the question: <laughs> What if masculinity were fragile?
2: <laughs> or it's like, or it's like. Yeah, or like, what if masculinity mm, like turned over in bed and asked you how you were doing?
0: Uh, <laughs>
2: right, that's like that's like what I felt like the guys wanted me to I mean, know. <laughs> and I was like, that's no. Aiden,
0: <laughs> that's Aiden from Sex in the City, is it not?
2: yeah <laughs> because no that's so crazy <laughs> because it is so aged because then I was like looking in the audience and god bless god bless everybody can I just preface this yeah. god bless everybody I'm not trying to be a shady bitch I'm just you know i'm 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 saying what i'm seeing you know what i'm saying so like
0: anything in joshua tree though, is funny <sighs> if you're not yeah, from there totally. it's like it's just a it's, it's a surreal weird. world on purpose yeah, and yeah, the yeah. people have crafted it that for way sure. and it's perfectly they love nothing more than for people to come and go somewhere totally. else and sort of like just evangelize how strange totally. this place is and how everything's a little bit weird. Like right. that's their whole and shit. And it was
2: weird because I was expect I was expecting like don't down bang. like what I was like, <laughs> thinking. <fuck laughs> I was expecting like like metal and rock oh, and okay. like UFO sounds and like sure. beer bottles and bull horns and dirt and bull like horns. and like whatever. And then instead I entered this other space of just White men in front of me with their dogs, Aiden, hashtag Aiden. Yeah. Literally, who just. came it was to the like, show? Everyone who came to the show was with their dogs, and they were single men with their dogs. Interesting. And I was like, like, I was like taken aback. Like, I was truly taken aback in this, like, and I was like in this alternate world, in this, like, very alternate <laughs> world. but they loved it, and they had a great time, and, like, it was... It's
0: great when an audience surprises you.
2: Totally, and so I was, like, a little scared at first, because I was, like, you know, because I open all uh, all of my sets with a song that I don't write. Uh, they're covers, because I think covers are really funny, and I think covers are the best, and... I'm realizing that will probably become legal issues as my career (laughs) continues. But um, so I open with a song with my back to the audience. That's how I open every one of my sets and um, to disarm people, I guess, a little bit. Um, So, yeah, so like I was like doing that in front of like a wall of men and their dogs. Can
0: I ask what song you chose?
2: Yeah, I've been, this is a newer song that I've been doing, also related to my dad, (laughs) Um, is uh, Where Do I Go, which is from the musical, the 1968 musical that opened the public theater, Hair. Maybe I did this for you. I think you saw this song.
0: Did you do it at...
2: do I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At
0: Anna's. And, last?
2: I, and I, sh- I force everybody to go beads, flowers, beads, flowers. The
0: last Sundays with Anna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You okay. saw that.
2: So that's like my newest song. See, I don't know that.
0: Tour. And sometimes I can't tell if you're just extemporaneously making up yeah, what yeah. is effectively a musical song and mm. when it is something real.
2: No, that's a real song. Okay. Those are real lyrics. Look, it's crazy. I'm obsessed. Uh, um, but it went well. Yeah. And I. it's a great, it's a really fun, <laughs> I mean, it's a great song.
0: <laughs> it's a personal matter between us boss
2: is there anybody pressing charges not me you want to say anything Cole no. this man right here is the only pal you had you understand that mm, fuck him yeah. Years I quit.
1: You serious? I sent you a letter. Yeah, fuck
3: this, fuck this world. Nice hook, morning. Mrs. Kravchuk and Principal Skinner were in the closet making babies, and I saw one of the babies, and the baby looked at me. Baby hey, looked at you. Mm-hmm.
1: Sarah, get me Superintendent Chalmers. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, three dollars. Uh, I'm validated. See the stickers? No, uh, I see five stickers. One shot. It's three dollars.
3: They gave me. Look, I'm validated for the entire day. Okay? Five stickers, six stickers. I don't know from stickers because I was in that court back there
1: saving people's lives. So. Gee, that's well. And thank you for restoring my faith in the judicial system. Now you either pay the
0: $3, or you go back inside and you get an additional sticker. Son of a bitch.
3: Fine. You win. Hooray for you. Backing up. I have to back up. I need more stickers.
2: Don't have enough stickers. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice.
0: Okay, so I want to get into some of the nuances of the stand-up and the acting Mm -hmm. persona that you have, but because hands down, like, the kind of character that you're playing, and I'm sorry if calling it a character is wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, is one of my favorites in New York, and um, I very often can't tell the difference between when you're being satirical Mm -hmm. and when you're being earnest, Mm -hmm. and surely that's part of what captivates people and makes them interested in it, and you have this clear kind of mastery of classical acting techniques and a lot of vocalization stuff. So, obviously, you've been trained. um, And it's all done, though, under this kind of hilarious send-up of the very people who value that stuff. And so, before we get there, it does seem logical, uh, since we've referenced it a few times, to to do a little biographical background Mm -hmm. and what you were like growing up. Because you grew up in Hollywood, California. Mm -hmm, Is that correct? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you were... In that documentary
2: yeah, fame about, high.
0: about the high school and yeah, stuff, we can, so
2: you get into all that so
0: no, and, and you don't have to go into depth, but mm. clearly all of this feeds into like you're not just sort of you didn't one day decide like my thing is going to be sort of uh playing with this idea of the uh, the aspiring actor or actress yeah or, uh, is it act I believe it's actor now, but you say actress I'm trying to be.
2: Oh no no PC. yeah in the culture it's actor
0: that's what I thought yes
2: totally but um, I still use actress for a reason yes totally
0: um, but so it's not just this you didn't just pick that up one day no, this no, is no. like something that your you have an in depth relationship yes. to and that's where it's sort of um, that's where it becomes this very in depth satire instead of just making fun of something because yeah. it's not it's pretty clear that you have a lot of uh, affection for all of these things that you're sort of clowning totally. on and so what. What's that trajectory like in, like, a, a, you know, Wikipedia intro, like, life paragraph? For sure, for sure, for sure. (laughs) For the...
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, So as fast as I can do it. Yeah. My parents met at... uh, I know this seems like... Come on, Ruby. Um, But uh, my parents met at a Shakespeare festival. (laughs) And cool. thus began, um, and then they got together while papering um, this sort of famous Broadway show called um, I Hate Hamlet, where someone gets uh, – one of the old Shakespearean actors actually famously stabbed somebody on stage, actually, and my parents were managing that show. Wait, um,
0: the play is not about that? They were there when it happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The play is not telling the story of someone getting stabbed. They no, were no, no. working they on the play. No, They were working. Someone... They were
2: just – it was a matinee and they – A matinee. Yeah. To and stab yes. s- the audacity. On a Sunday matinee and the old actor literally just stabbed the other actor and my parents managed that show. And Ooh, then a year whoa. and a half later, I was born. So uh, then the first theater I oh. was taken to <laughs> mm-hmm. is the Astor Place Theater across from the public theater um, that has – Oh, sin- by
0: like the Cooper Union.
2: Yeah, because okay. you probably have seen it before because it's the permanent residence of the Blue Man Group. That oh was my the God. first. God.
0: Wait, that thing on like First yeah. Ave?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. And that was the first theater that I was ever brought to at three weeks old. My parents were the first company managers of the Blue Man Group. Shut up. Yep. Yeah. And just telling you real stories, and uh, so like when the Blue
0: Man Group was like just getting no one believed, no one believed in them yet.
2: Yeah, we're still like quote unquote performance artists. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. So if my parents had stayed on that franchise, (laughs) honey, (laughs) (laughs) would I be under these cans? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But um, anyway, so then we (sighs) went. So then my dad had like a. Braid he had like my very long hair he had a braid that he tucked in to the back of his jacket, so he was sort of like a he was in theater by fluke by chance a little uh-huh. bit, and I think he freaked out that he had a kid and he decided to he got a he got a job in l a when I was two years old to manage the cornet theater on La Cienega Boulevard between Beverly Boulevard and Melrose Avenue. The Cornette Theater is a historical Los Angeles theater. Um, but also it's like every one of his friends was like, my dad's name's Fryer." <laughs> 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 they were like, "Fryer, why are you going to LA to do theater, dude? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a bad idea. Um, and he was like, well, I have a kid. And I, you know what I mean? Like he needed a proper job. So we moved to Los Angeles, and I spent every day of my life in the Cornet Theater, um, until I was 12 years old, when my dad, when the and this is crazy, the theater was the management was sold to the guy that owned the Largo, and now it's just the Largo. So now it's the one of the bigger comedy clubs in Los Angeles. Oh, and it habits that, but that's my theater. Like I was the princess of that theater.
0: Interesting. And
2: like uh, that, I know that theater. Like the back of my, I have dreams about my, like that's the theater of my mind. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, hence the backstage aspect of it the only place that i wasn't fully allowed to go on ever was the stage so every other aspect all the the, backstage stuff yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so everything was mine besides the stage because that's where the work was being done and um yeah so i mean beyond that so then so my dad my mom had proper jobs at offices and freelancing jobs and stuff, so I was always with my dad and I was always at the theater because you could just, like, throw a kid in the arms of, like, the costume designer or whatever. Sure. I can do – I did, like, will call in box office yeah. when I was, like, five. It
0: was a big-ass family hanging out. Yeah, yeah, Lots exactly. Lots of people, yeah. So
2: it was, like, free babysitting. Yeah. And so that – but then also I was going to school in L.A., so I also knew of this this huge – ominous force of television and film. Yeah. And I knew that it was like an angel and a demon and I like knew that it was the the industry of the city and that theater wasn't. And so we so theater and it was in the 90s so it was like the height of sitcom acting. So the the actors that we would that would come through the theater were out of work sitcom actors. Um... Just brutal, and it was—it's like your last resort, especially oh. in the '90s to do theater in LA uh-huh. in the '90s or the early two thousands. Was like you didn't want to go there. Has um, that
0: since changed? Is there a bit of a artistic revival of sorts?
2: Well, and then my dad did artistic stuff too on the side, but the ones in the cornet never that artistic. No, I don't know if it's changed, okay. but I do think what I do know is that people are going to live performance more in LA. Uh, because of Uber. Hmm. Oh shit! I said Uber again. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> because people can get drunk and like go out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, and then wait. So, uh, that did you? You have a voice credit on the on that Henry Darger documentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How old were you when that happened?
2: Um, I was eight.
0: Eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And your dad was in it too. My dad was in it too. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's very funny. So you are just you're like through osmosis, just absorbing this stuff, and it's just around you constantly. Yeah,
2: totally. Or just like yeah, it was just the kid around. And Um,
0: then that, um, and then that documentary, which I haven't gotten a chance to see. (laughs) I heard that it was on Netflix, and it's not anymore. Oh yeah, but I guess. yeah, so that must have been sort of a surreal experience to be being documented while you're kind of doing this thing, and then the film comes out, and then you look back on it, and what's oh, that? Oh, horrifying! Like really? Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I'm asking. I mean, her. okay.
2: So what happened was, um, I there's this performance performing arts high school in Los Angeles called LA County High School for the Arts, and it was an acad- It was like LaGuardia, you know, yeah. or whatever. It's and, like
0: competitive. You yeah. have to get into it, but it's a audition. It,
2: it's it's but a it's, public a public school. School. Yeah, it's a public
0: school. Okay, yeah. So it's like super diverse socioeconomically mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. way that yep. you slice that. Yeah. But you, it is a competitive it's school to get into. Yeah, <laughs> it's a meritocracy. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the yes, way your eyes. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I was in auditions, and I was my whole life I wanted to go to the school because. At the cornet, one of the women's children, one of the women that worked there, her child, who was always in the courtyard, literally (laughs) riding a unicycle, Mm. went there. And I was like, oh, and also another person who worked there, her daughter, who played Cindy in the Brady Bunch remake. Yes, remake movies. Cindy, she was always at the theater, too. She went to Loxa, and I was like, what is this cool school where all the kids, you know, all the cool kids go? So I sat on Loxa. You know, it was high school only, so that was the plan. Audition. um, And in the audition rooms, this guy comes up to me and is like, so we're doing a documentary about this school. Like, do you want to be one of your subjects? Like, you're really compelling, whatever. And it's like, obviously, like.
0: Were you going into your freshman year?
2: Yeah, it was like in eighth grade. Oh, because
0: they so they must have filmed for, did they film for several years? No, they filmed
2: for one full year.
0: One year. So you're just my freshman freshman. year of high school. Whoa. Yeah,
2: it's just my freshman year.
0: I mean, and of course you say yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. And also it's like my dad, who we always call like Mama Rose because he's such a stage parent sometimes, but not really. (laughs) He was like, of course, you know, like my dad, of course, is everything, right? Look at her. Uh, You know, and. uh, So, of course, I said, yeah, of course I said yes. I was, like, horny to be filmed. You know, I was, like, whatever. So then first day of school rolls around, and I didn't realize that they were there. But, yeah, they filmed me from literally the first moment I entered that high school. And then they filmed around the clock, like, my entire first year of freshman year. And in that freshman year, I get pulled out of school um, for three months because I got cast in a professional play.
0: Okay. So you're just like your entire freshman year is like an LSD trip. Yeah. Because you're performing not only for a new community mm-hmm. that you're trying to be a part of, of yeah. this thing that you've been dreaming about, but you're being documented the documented. entire time.
2: And they're like, manip- you know, like it's like. Of course. They're manipulating the the narrative to get a narrative. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of paranoid because I'm like. 14 and I don't get anything and I'm yeah. just like wait why are you saying that uh, yeah, yeah. you They're know like, like this
0: 14 year old girl isn't mean enough right like, well <laughs> and, <laughs> then
2: also you know I can run my mouth so the whole documentary is really me doing like zingers like uh. like I remember oh it's just so crazy <laughs> It's just all so crazy. It's just like, I don't know why I have to do character. Like, I don't know why I have to do these crazy things. Like, you're telling me Meryl Streep and Robert De Niro pretended to be turtles on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, just like crazy, crazy stuff.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so clearly, I mean, this stuff, um, you absorb this and it becomes something that has found its way very much into what you do now. Yeah. And and as you um when you first started doing when you turned to what I guess is comedy, did it yeah. come through more like because there was fake head. Mm-hmm. That was something that you did that was like experimental mm-hmm. theater. Yeah, but yeah yeah. Clearly meant to be very funny, right? Yeah. Um when when does that jump happen to like I'm pursuing this thing, was there a disillusionment or was it just simply like a natural progression into, like, well, I also have a knack for being very funny, so let's fuse the two.
2: Yeah, I mean, what happened was I was doing theater for so long, and I was in theater so long and surrounded by theater for so long. And then me and my one of my oldest and best friends and collaborators, Leah Hennessy, we were doing this theater company, Fakehead, and we were getting, like, really – Frustrated just being so dramatic all the time, which is kind of crazy, but like, where where was this
0: taking place in New York City? In New York, okay.
2: Um, and we had like grown up around so like cabaret performers and drag performers, and we were like, what we were sort of hungry for glamour, Mm -hmm. we were really hungry for glamour and that liminal, like corny, lighter and also very heavy by nature world so we decided to make a web series that would be Gigi mm-hmm. which was sort of the first major project that i was like creatively like it was like the first huge project i did i think sort of not maybe maybe um which is a comedy show essentially is a comedy web series and
0: what was i mean besides the obvious like distribution capabilities Mm. of like a digital platform what was the motivating factor to jump to something that was more uh scripted documented edited versus live performance Mm.
2: i think it was because we wanted at the time we were like working with like some guys that like are like some men that we didn't have the same vision and i think it was like this idea of Privacy and like we mm. like oh we can like just film it yeah, yeah and nobody needs to be there besides just like a few people and it can be this like fantasy like it, it just felt like very protected okay. the video yeah. aspect of it yeah, just felt yeah. a little more protected at the time and so yeah so as we did that and released those um, a friend. That I'd known for a long time, Julio Torres, um, asked me to perform one of his shows as my character and Gigi.
0: Mona Deliza. Mona
2: Deliza. <laughs> a, like, a personified demon personality of myself. And, uh, which
0: I believe in the. You guys had a very successful Kickstarter campaign for yeah. season two, and in the video for it, you described Mona Deliza as. Uh, Something along the lines of an exorcism of your childhood,
2: yeah. like,
0: uh, desire, Fame addiction. Fame addiction or something yeah. like that.
2: <laughs> an exorcism of my, Wait, yeah. so
0: Julio saw the web series and was just like, come do this live. Yeah. Like, take, okay, so it's experimental theater into this, like, smaller space of video to kind mm-hmm. of craft the stuff. And then you get yanked back out. And it's like, okay, now get in front of an audience. Yeah. But without, uh, you're more in a stand-up context, so you mm-hmm. don't have to... Have all of these other players yeah. involved. Kind yeah, of thing. and you
2: don't necessarily need a director and and like it it so then I did that and I didn't end up performing as Mona, but I did perform. And I remember I met Anna Fabrega that night and Where it was, was it? It was at much Morris.
0: Okay. How long ago?
2: I guess two fourteen. Mm-hmm. Whenever that was. <laughs> I don't know, three years ago. Three around. years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it was just like, oh, my God, I remember I can rely on myself. Yeah. And it was like this amazing, like, ah, ah, it it's just coming from me, mm-hmm. which was this sort of, um, because, like, I've, which is also related, I think, it's like I've always been performing in mirrors and in backstages or alone when nobody is watching because I'm a, an only child. And, you know, like I'm always left alone.
0: But then the public part has been collaborative and in theater yes. and things like that. So you're in this, the the space where you're inhabiting the glam. Yes. Gets to go in front exactly. of people. Holy
2: fuck. There you go. All right. It's that in-between space. That's yeah, yeah. what stand-up is And for you get me. to yeah. go
0: out and play in it. Yeah. And do it. You just literally move the shit exactly. that you would be doing oh in a green room or in the mirror, like goofing off by yourself, mm-hmm. to like, oh, and now I can do this yeah. here in that context. And people actually,
2: and real people applaud.
0: Well, yeah. That one. <laughs> now,
3: because we're gonna have a new scale here. I'm actually gonna have it made digitally, where it's on a scale of goblins. You know, is it charging into a goblin's nest, hacking them to pieces, or is it just going, you know, around the goblins? Is it kissing goblins, even though you still stab them, you give them a kiss? Or is it catching him in bed with a goblin? And then the final scale, is Trump gonna have babies with a goblin and actually help the New World Order and turn against us like Darth Vader? Is he gonna marry a goblin? Oh, hey there! You just stumbled across the channel that produces the best and most dopest videos on YouTube. Perhaps you came here to laugh at social justice warriors. Perhaps you came here to learn about libertarianism and anarcho-capitalist beliefs. Perhaps you came here for my pro-gun videos. Whatever you're looking for, I got it here, and you're gonna love my content. Now, a lot of people go look at someone's most popular videos to see their fast content. But the crappy part for me is my very best videos and my most popular videos have all been striped and taken down by YouTube. So, I re-uploaded them, and uh, they don't have as many views, so they're not my most popular videos. But you can still find them. You can still find my best videos. They're in the best of Mr. Dapper's playlist. That's where you're going to find all my very best episodes. So, at the end of this little trailer that you're watching now, you're going to see a link to that playlist. Feel free to watch it. There's enough videos there to keep you entertained for months. I'll also throw in a link to my two most recommended videos. My video on anarcho-capitalism and my video on gun control. I hope you check out all three links. Uh, They're going to change the way you see things. See ya. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe.
0: (laughs) That's that's, that's what the whole... That's the whole, like, traction of performing, yeah. right? Is is you get to it's all you. Yeah. I mean, and that's and that's why it's so scary, though, too. Right? Yeah. The risk is all. It's not like oh, the fucking director gave me a shitty.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, I, that's, I was the worst actress in that way growing up because I was just like, oh god, these scripts are like no. it's like I always had a vision in my mind as a kid. I was in theater. Productions and I would always get into fights with the director, being like, "No, but like I see it this way." Like I was the worst, 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 worst. But it was because I like it's so hard to really like give your whole body and mind up to another person. Yeah, and they're just like making you do stuff and you don't really know how it looks or it's like it's a crazy idea. So finally, with stand up, I yeah, the glamorous space was total. Did you like?
0: Did you accept that you don't like to take direction? Was that sort of like a – because I feel like if you're wanting to be an actor, Mm -hmm. you – I mean, you have to – You have to. You have to have that skill set and be very, like, open to it or something. And It sounds like you were kind of wrestling with – I
2: was wrestling I want
0: to do that, and then – but then a space exists where you don't necessarily have to.
2: Yeah. I think, like, for a long time I was wrestling with being an actress because – and I say actress for a specific reason, but um, because – it was almost everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, well, it, it was, was probably the
0: logical thing that was presented to you yeah. based on just sort of your surroundings and your upbringing that yeah. this is the route that you take. Right. Or yeah, something. exactly. And totally. I'm sure that in growing up in a theater, there weren't weirdo stand-up comics coming in and no. just being nuts.
2: No. And uh, there was, like, performance artists sometimes, but. Well,
0: and stand-up comedy then looked stupid. Yeah, it was the vast majority of what was happening, which, you know, at the it, admittedly at the time, a lot of it, like, I enjoyed or something. But yeah. in hindsight, thinking about it, it was really kind of just middle of the road. Totally. And just sort of the same thing totally. over and over again. And so what's the appeal of that if you want to do more character-driven stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, there, or just do something that's nonlinear. Right. That requires, I don't know, like, it doesn't have a laugh every 30 seconds. Right. That maybe builds or right. takes some time.
2: Right. So... Yeah, exactly. And like I loved stories and I loved narrative. And as a kid, I was grappling with this like I want to act, but I I remember getting cast in professional stuff and I would literally just be so depressed. Mm-hmm. And this is in the documentary if you watch. Like you you're seeing a 14-year-old girl hysterically crying and they're like, "Why? You get you have everything you want." And I, I was so sad for Mm -hmm. some reason and i like could never i felt so like anxious all the time and like i i didn't understand why because i was like i but i love to act blah blah but i think uh yeah so finally with i had to admit like at 18 that i was like you can't take direction you're having trouble (laughs) following orders apparently you need to figure that out so i stopped acting for I stopped performing at all for like four years when I was 18 mm-hmm. um, because I was like, you have authority issues <laughs> and you need to figure it out and you need to understand what's going on. And now I can take direction mm-hmm. for all of those listening. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, it, was a, it was a deep, deep-rooted authority issue thing. And uh, it made me so anxious. And it, it's, I, I can't I, – I saw actors die you know Excuse what I mean? Me. Like
0: Like Heath Ledger?
2: Yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Eric. But um No, it was like you know what I mean? Like it's like I saw like we would lose an actor a year. Oh. From just killing themselves or whatever.
0: Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Jesus Christ. I <laughs> thought no, we no, were... No, no, no. Oh, I my God. We were, I thought we were getting... No, meta- come on. I thought it was metaphor. Like, I no, saw no, no, them no. die on stage.
2: No, no, no. Like, they would die. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Okay. Well... Um, <laughs> like,
2: like, in terms of, like, I knew that there was something happening here to people's psychologies yeah. in this weird world. Yeah. And... I think unconsciously that must have affected me in some way to be like crying backstage, being yeah. <laughs> like, No, 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 no. Um Yeah, I don't know. That took a dark turn. I'm not really sure how to swim back <laughs> into the shallow. No, end no, that's your, fine. No. Well <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
0: maybe um the what I do want to before we get to the end here, I, mm-hmm. I want to sort of unpack the as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. Who you are when you're performing okay. because it's this uh, mixture of like a. It, and I feel like I know why you use the term actress. And yeah. It's because it's this like kind of golden cinema, kind of 1920s yeah. actress, but it's also like an unhinged like high school theater fascist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but also like an extremely hyper self aware performer. Like everything's with a wink and a nod. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like as much as you want to. Like mm-hmm. what 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 are you inhabiting while you're doing this? What do you kind of mm-hmm. where does it come from?
2: Okay. Uh so yeah, definitely um I from mirrors. Mm-hmm. Like just literally playing in front of mirrors my whole life. And then uh my mom like old movies. Uh I was very much aware of where I was being raised in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I knew that I was in Hollywood. And so I, at a very young age, I started watching very old movies with my mother and my grandmother. <laughs> um,
0: oh, and if you don't have – I mean, I'm not trying to be, like, Freudian here. But if you don't have siblings around yeah. you, like, clearly you're acting these things yes. out by yourself. By and myself. not, like, doing them with exactly. another person and kind of getting it out of your system. And – You're building and building and, building and remembering yeah, all of these exactly. sort of – Because lem- they
2: become your – they become your home life. Uh-huh. That Those characters are – were my home life. And, like, my like mom – Like the cable guy. <laughs> yes yeah like cable guy but there is something I was I was watching that Andy Kaufman Jim Carrey oh, I that it very funny very, I have a lot to say about that but another time and um, yeah so my mom and my mom's a native Los Angelino I come from a f- like four generations of Los Angelenos which is Whoa. very rare and weird yeah. so my mom would drive me around and be like this movie that we watched last night was filmed there. Or like, I knew about the Paramount lot, and I knew where Marilyn Monroe died, and I knew that there was a report at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel that Marilyn Monroe's ghost was locked in a mirror. Like, it, like I knew, like I knew the myth. So yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere I went,
0: well, the backstage yes, of the city, yes, like backstage like of the cruising city, cruising around, and-, and
2: that's what I'm obsessed with, and that's what I love—the backstage of Los Angeles. That is. My home, that is my home. and uh, Well, there's so, like an
0: underdog element to it too, yes. right? Like all the backstage, like all the real, the yeah. stuff that's the nitty-gritty of the, like in the Spinal Tap thing when it's like, oh, God, these sandwiches aren't to our liking. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's just like, well, you're just shitty rock musicians. You're not actually like these right. giant personas. And it's
2: that- like to, to, to think that Meryl Monroe died and the report is that she's in a, a classically sort of always sort of uh, – criminal-ish – or not criminal-ish, but just, you know, sort of shitty Hollywood hotel that's mm-hmm. not even – she's not trapped at the Chateau Marmont. Mm-hmm. She's trapped at the Hollywood Roosevelt. You know what I mean? Like, it's like there's no – that is glamour.
0: Yeah. The
2: the myth Marilyn fucking Monroe's ghost is reported to be seen at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. <laughs> like, that's that's nuts. That's mm-hmm. amazing. So I knew all of what was going on, and I had a dear friend, Mercedes – who also was in my class in growing up, and she also watched old movies. So we would, like, play together, and I would look in the mirror. You know, I had friends that knew about it a little bit, but it was largely just my world Mm -hmm. that was this old world that I would perform in the mirror. And then I would go to the theater and see these weird character types and then go back home and perform in the mirror. Um, so that's largely w- th- this character that I guess some people call aspiring actress. Some people have come up to me as like, that aspiring actress character. And I'm like, interesting. Um, it's just this like almost the sound, the safe sound mm-hmm. in my mind. It's just my home sound. You know what I mean? Like I look in the mirror and I was like, suddenly I'm the you know? <laughs> Because, like, ever since I was a kid, I also – the old movies I was watching was, like, Sunset Boulevard, all about Eve. These middle-aged women characters of – they've seen it all twice. Yeah. So that was, like, the archetype in my mind of just glamorousness was this middle-aged woman that is a little bit – over it, but also here to be your friend.
0: Yeah. Oh I, yeah, Well, yeah. that's funny, the archetype <laughs> because the, the the script that you're playing mm-hmm. through these things or this or this predetermined kind of like character that you're supposed to be mm-hmm. um, it it it's just simply anachronistic. Like if it were if this were forty years ago, yeah. that would totally make sense if you were acting yes. like that. But yes. because there's this gap in between, it becomes like, extremely hilarious, but in this really weird way because we're very used to, I feel like, seeing people inhabit personas on stage that are sort of send ups of like a YouTube makeup mm-hmm. vlogger mm-hmm. or like this mm-hmm. is something very, very contemporary. Yeah, yeah. And so it's bizarrely confusing yeah. when it's this other realm that right. we all know, know what, it is, what it is, but you. Are just but like, maybe but you haven't not...
2: experienced it. Maybe you haven't watched all the old movies. But there's but something. you have it
0: in your you no. Know. You, yeah, you know what that.
2: It's a human knowledge. Well, you know way that way if you grew or up or in the United
0: States, yeah. watching any movies, you know like the voice that you go into. Yes. Like that's a. I don't know why I know it, yeah. but it's like from a thing, and it conjures a certain yeah. thing, and its uncanniness is what's kind of yes. I think captivating about it because you're kind of like what would, like why is this person mm-hmm. doing this thing like the thing that maybe and i'm just sort of articulating this out loud as i'm thinking about it but perhaps the thing for me that's so funny about it is that it seems like something that like why would you even be satirizing that right now like that's what's so funny right. is it's so like
2: it's so off. it's, it's yeah. so
0: bizarrely weird and not yeah, yeah. contemporary that totally. it makes it 10 times funnier.
2: Well, sometimes I think that too. Sometimes I'm like, this is like, why the fuck am I doing You know, like, <laughs> oh my God. But it's just, if I can like demand my fantasy world and make that okay for other people, mm-hmm. that is inherently contemporary.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's what everybody's doing with her. I mean, you're, yeah. you're doing the same thing as anybody does on Instagram or anything else. Tro- yeah. You're just activating it and... And it's rooted in, it's the same, you know, write what you know or blah, 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 yeah, or whatever. Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly. That's what your exposure to was. Those, those are all the things that you inhabit. And so it's the thing that kind of, uh, in terms of like maintaining your artistic responsibility, it's something that right. like you can skewer and you can yeah. lampoon and you can yes. play around in because you have lived it and you yes, know it. Yes, it's mine. And it's not, yeah, yeah. yeah there's no, exactly. there's no punching up, down, left or right. It's just, it is what it is.
2: Yeah, like, th- Yeah. thank you. I mean, I really tr- – yeah, I, I couldn't do anything I, – like, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do anything I don't know about. I don't want to do yeah. anything that's not mine. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, Ruby, thank you so much for coming by today. This <laughs> was super fun.
2: Yeah, likewise.
0: <laughs> um. I like to – yeah, you gave me a lot to think about. I want to be – I want to think about where I'm glam now.
2: Good. And I want uh, I need everyone to do. Yeah, yeah. I want to you I'm so glad that you say, say that.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, thank you so much. Anything uh, this will come out on Sunday. Anything coming up that people should check out that your any shows or anything?
2: Well, you can always follow me on <laughs> at aspiring323actress on Instagram (laughs) for any upcoming dates. I have a monthly show Mm -hmm. every – well, not monthly. We're going to just see how that goes. But it's called Ruby's World. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure of the date yet, but it's going to be this month, December. And, uh, yeah, follow me there.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, Ruby, thank you so much to everybody who's listening Thank you so much. I'll see you in half a fortnight.